Welcome to People's Town Hall's Virtual Town Hall audio series. Our virtual town halls with lawmakers and other community leaders now available in an easy audio-only format for your flexible listening needs. People's Town Hall is only possible because of support from Americans like you, who believe our democracy is stronger when elected leaders take the time to meet with and listen to the people they work for, their constituents. Find out more and lend your support to People's Town Hall at peoplestownhall.org. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Nathan with People's Town Hall. People's Town Hall is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization dedicated to the simple idea that our democracy is stronger and better when our lawmakers take regular occasion to meet with and listen to the people they work for which is their constituents. Uh, We are joining you today for a virtual town hall with Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon and his constituents in Polk County, Oregon. Uh, I am not in the county, but Senator Wyden is uh, at the, I believe, the Itemizer Observer. Correct me if I'm wrong, folks. And and we have constituents here on the live conversation uh, in the county. Uh, We also expect to get to your questions as well. If you're watching on Facebook Live and you are a constituent, please share your questions. Questions, and I'll read those on your behalf. Uh, looking forward to another terrific conversation. Senator Wyden, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Nathan. <clears throat> Thank you. And I am at the Itemizer Observer. I'm in beautiful Polk County. It is kind of rainy. We'll be grateful for all this rain this summer when it's probably hot and dry as it's been most recently. Uh, and I just appreciate all the people here at the paper giving us a chance to throw open the digital doors and do some listening to the good people of Polk County. Um, This is town hall meeting number 1014 for me here in the Polk County seat of Dallas. And the reason we do all these town meetings is people are understandably so frustrated about government I think a lot of folks in Dallas, Oregon, probably think for all practical purposes, Washington, D.C. might as well be Mars for all the real world connection it has to their lives. And so what we try to do is shorten the distance, do some listening. I like to think that chips away at some of that understandable mistrust. They do a lot of things well in Polk County. Farming, forest products, uh, education, lots and lots of things that make Polk a special place. And I'm just going to wrap up by way of saying Senator Merkley and I have teamed up on some recent successes. Um, The Hope Plaza project that's going to help Oregonians in Polk and Marion with housing, they can afford job opportunities help survivors of domestic violence, the Mono Amano Family Center to expand community health services to Oregonians in Polk and Polk uh, and Marion, $250,000. Obviously, the community will benefit from the bipartisan infrastructure uh, bill that we'll be talking about later uh, this week as, uh, as well. <clears throat> and I just appreciate everybody coming out on a rainy afternoon to be part of 
digital democracy and no questions are off limits. Let's talk about whatever Polk County wants to talk about. Terrific. Uh, first up, we have Emily. Thank you, Senator Wyden. Um, I was at your Polk County Town Hall in 2019 and asked about the same issue back oh, then. Emily, you are a recidivist in the very best sense of the word. You're wonderful to come back and talk about ways in which government can be better and smarter. So my question is, what are you actively doing in Congress right now to get Coast Guard pay parity adopted? to ensure that like all the other branches of the military, the men and women of the Coast Guard get a paycheck even during a lapse in government funding, which given the dysfunction in Washington DC seems more likely to happen than not. I'm very supportive of this bill as we've talked about. Congressman DeFazio uh, on the House side has uh, been the leader and I co-sponsored a Senate version of the bill we're still trying to get support. And this is a perfect time to say, Emily, political change doesn't start very often in Washington, DC or Salem or some government building and then trickle down. It's almost always grassroots up. So I wanna pass this bill. I strongly agree that members of the Coast Guard should be paid through lapses in government funding. By the way, that's the way it is for members of other military services. So I'm all in on this, happy to be a co-sponsor. I really appreciate the fact that you'll come out and raise the visibility of this. Oregon has a lot of people who depend on the Coast Guard and people who have honored us by serving in the Coast Guard. We ought to make sure that they get a fair shake on pay. So I'm all in. Keep the heat on. Keep pushing. Call your friends in other states. Tell your friends in other states to call their friends in other states. Thank you. Well Thanks. said. Thanks for joining us today, Emily. Uh, next up, we have Polk County Commissioner Jeremy Gordon. Well, good afternoon, Senator, and welcome to Polk County. Commissioner, <clears throat> great to see you again. Yes. Um, so the commissioners and I recently uh, convened a meeting to assess the current state of food banks and food pantry services in West Salem. Um, and we learned about uh, a recent lack of protein sources and other critical nutrition sources and a volunteer workforce that is aging out, leaving many people vulnerable to chronic hunger and malnutrition. Um, the increase in per month SNAP benefits last October helped, but there's a clear need to make the, emerg the emergency SNAP benefit increase permanent, which is needed even during periods of inflationary stability. What is your position on that? And is there any momentum on the Hill regarding this need and opportunity to make? I, Jeremy, I very much support making this food assistance program permanent rather than just being part of this kind of roller coaster of declarations of one sort or another. I think SNAP is one of the lifeline programs for Argonians. It speaks to putting food on the table of vulnerable people. The pandemic made that clearer. I've been a longtime supporter of increasing SNAP, making it easier to access. I mean, what this comes down to is we don't think anybody should be going hungry in America. And so I'm going to keep doing all I can 
to make sure that Oregonians have what they need to feed themselves, their families. This important program shouldn't lose resources after what looks like the end of the emergency potentially in, um, in July. And I think also our farmers have long felt that we should expand it. Look at what we're seeing with the um, war in Ukraine. We're having a real uh, potentially calamitous set of food challenges. So um, I'm all in on making SNAP permanent. <clears throat> Terrific. Any uh, follow-up, Commissioner, or should we go on to the next question? Um, no follow-up on that, that issue. I've got others in case you need more topics. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you are you are welcome to uh, to ask. Commissioner, how how how's it going on some of your other things? Secure rural schools, transportation, those kinds of things. Uh, things are going very well. Uh, secure rural, rural schools. I appreciate your your and Senator Merkley's advocacy to keep that going. One thing as a new commissioner, I've noticed though, is that we're very dependent on those payments, and we can't make up for it here in Oregon with increased property taxes. So we're going up for levies for basic services like um, just having enough sheriff patrol to to cover public safety. Is there, a, is there an avenue to advocate for higher rates of, of payments to counties um, to, to, help offset, to help us raise funds for those critical services? Because one thing I think we can do to increase trust in government is to make sure there's local control and local funding of, of um, uh, you know, of, of critical services so that folks know who to go to when, when there's a question. We don't have to say, well, it's out of our hands. I think the more counties are able to do on a local level, the better results will be for all of us. So let me kind of walk you through where we are, Jeremy, in terms of secure, secure rural schools. Um, I wrote this law before Senator Merkley came to the Senate and Oregon's share under the law has been $3.5 billion. So this has been, as far as I can tell, the biggest authorization of funds in Oregon um, government, certainly in recent years. And it's for schools and roads and in some jurisdictions, um, law enforcement. The challenge has been <clears throat> it too, has been on something of a roller coaster. One year, we had to sell off the helium reserve in order to get the money for that year, which prompted many of the edit editorial writers to say, we always knew Ron Wyden was about hot air. And so <clears throat> the challenge has gotta be to put this program on a steady basis. and. I, along with Senator Merkley and the Idaho senators, we've introduced legislation to move it towards an endowment program where the money could be invested. And also in this interim, uh, I was able to secure in the Recovery Act $2 billion to go to rural communities to promote the transition. And in fact, in the COVID package two weeks ago, I was the one Democrat who voted against it. And the reason was not that I don't support additional help for COVID, because I do, but it would have unraveled some of that funding that we got for rural communities. And I said, I wasn't going to 
uh, support anything like that. There are other ways to secure the money for COVID funding. So this is very much on the agenda of Senator Merkley and I to give you more stability and certainty. I appreciate you bringing it up. Thank you. Terrific. Thanks for joining us, Commissioner. Uh, so we're going to go to a few of your online questions now. If you're watching on Facebook Live, uh, feel free to share uh, your question if you are a constituent of uh, Senator Wyden, uh, especially if you are a Polk County resident. Uh, so we have a question from Michael in Independence uh, who asks uh, about the Social Security Fairness Act, S-1302. Um, Senator, he goes on to describe the bill uh, in great length. I don't know if you are you need that or you're familiar with it? Yep, I'm, I'm up on this. There okay. have been a lot, of, it, a lot of questions. Um, Social Security is obviously a lifeline for millions of Americans. It's a bedrock of economic security for retired people, those with disabilities. And a lot of retirees and workers are concerned about the, how the law treats those who worked in jobs not covered by Social Security. These policies, windfall elimination provision, the government pension offset, can be improved by using a worker's actual earnings history and not a kind of one-size-fits-all approach like there is today. But to simply repeal the provisions like the Fairness Act does would make Social Security's long-term finances uh, worse for everybody. So what we're trying to do is find an approach that balances between treating all workers fairly and ensuring Social Security can pay full benefits for the long term. So we will continue to uh, look to ways to kind of strike that balance. Great. Well, thanks for the question, Michael. Uh, we have a question from Jesse in Monmouth who says, who asks, um, Senator, why is it so easy to find federal dollars for the military industrial complex, but when it comes to public education funding for our kids and teachers, you and your colleagues in Congress seem only to want to discuss what can be cut rather than what needs to be funded? Well, Senator Merkley and I share your view. Uh, I think to just say every military contractor project should get an automatic sort of green light and programs for kids and seniors and folks with disability challenges are going to face, you know, different kinds of budgeting processes and right. Now, I'm one of the ringleaders in the audit the Pentagon program. Believe it or not, the Pentagon, with hundreds of billions of dollars, doesn't really get audited like any other program. And I and several other senators are trying to change it. But your basic point is indisputable. <clears throat> right. well, thanks for the question, Jesse. Uh, so we have a question from Brenda, um, and it's got some acronyms here, so bear with me, folks. Uh, uh, Brenda asks, what can be done about the M slash W slash ESB slash DBE program so it serves its purpose without creating a disadvantage for other small businesses and how can physical and mental disabilities actually be made primary other than race and gender so they are not so subjective? I'm not sure I got <clears throat> all the letters, Nathan, but yeah. I think it is 
one of the small business contracting programs. And we saw during the pandemic, there's still some questions in terms of how those are administered so that people really are treated fairly. And if our caller can give me more details on that, that would be uh, <clears throat> helpful. I think it also, if I can kind of capture the letters is the Minorities and Women's Small Business Program, which is one of the most important programs in terms of extending opportunity and the ability for folks to come up with new ideas and new businesses for the private sector. So it is an important concept. There have been some real questions about whether it's being administered in a fair way. Terrific. Well, thanks for the question, Verenda. We have a question from Daniel uh, who asks, uh, Senator, what are you doing to address the massive threat of wildfire and the health threat from smoke every summer we face in Oregon? Let me walk um, the questioner through three or four of the major approaches that we're taking. The first <clears throat> involves more prescribed burns. Prescribed burns mean you go in when the weather is cooler, essentially. In the off-season, you have controlled burns with forest managers and others, and it basically saved the town of Sisters. Second, we'd have more scientifically uh, implemented thinning, where you go in and clean out these overstocked timber stands. These fires we're having today are not your grandfather's fires. They're bigger, they're hotter, they're more powerful, they're leaping over rivers. We need more scientifically implemented uh, thinning. Third, we need to continue to push towards a year-round professional forest service. The people we have in the Forest Service do a terrific job under really difficult circumstances. Used to be you'd have some fires in July and August. Now you can have fires, you know, year round. And fourth, which is uh, really important to me, Nathan, is we need to pass my Civilian Conservation Corps, where you'd have young people go into the woods, much like we did decades ago, and help to make those forests more resilient and healthier. Those four steps make for a sound a strategy to make our forests more resilient and better in a position to reduce fire risk. Great. Appreciate the question, Daniel. Uh, we have a question here from Cynthia. And Cynthia, I apologize in advance if I mispronounce uh, the medical condition you are describing. Uh, Cynthia asks, uh, what can be done to help the missing millions from MECFS, uh, which she uh, lists as myalgic encephalomitis, myal myalitis, uh, again, apologies, Cynthia, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome? How can funding be increased in research expedited? Um, as you know, people have been waiting for decades for treatments and a cure. Um, very important question. I know. There are many in Oregon who are dealing with that, that health challenge. One of the reasons I've stayed on the budget committee, and I 
been there for quite some time now, is to fund NIH and particularly the health research arm that is so important to people who are dealing with these kinds of um, illnesses. I also think that there's an opportunity. The Affordable Care Act really started us in the right direction. The sponsors accepted my provision, which came from my Healthy Americans Act, seven Democrats, seven Republicans, to end discrimination against people with a pre-existing condition. But there's a lot more to do to make the health system better. And I'm putting a lot of focus on personalized medicine, which I think could do more to help with some of the challenges with respect to chronic illness that our caller just mentioned, Nathan. Great. Thanks, um, thank, thank you so much, Cynthia, for the question. Uh, we have a question from Todd, uh, and Todd asks, given the news cycles and national and global geopolitical environment, what political methods would you recommend for those working to save our salmon uh, and indicator species and the environmental influences that support them while national, natural attention from the citizenry is on these, quote, day-to-day -day news cycle issues? Well, I, I think in the Northwest, there's great concern about you know, the Snake River dams and the like. And what I've said is in our part of the world, we recognize that there are multiple interests. There's salmon, there's trade, there's agriculture, there's fuel. And in these resources issues, Nathan, you really need to bring everybody together, look for a collaborative approach, because if you don't, one party just sues the other. And instead of having a win-win situation where you protect your treasures and get jobs, you usually have a lose-lose. Great. Uh, thank you for the question, Todd. Um, we have a question from Maria uh, who asks, um, to protect the Southeast Oregon Nevada border uh, from lithium mine startups, uh, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, Maria. Uh, she says, please consider hemp alternatives. For example, Alternate Systems, a company dedicated to energy storage and EV tech, has purchased land to grow and process hemp as a component in supercapacitors, a form of energy storage that can be charged much faster than lithium ion or any other type of battery. Well, I, I would say to our caller, first of all, um, I don't take a backseat to anybody in terms of hemp and hemp production. Very important to Oregon. The um, bill to legalize hemp in the Congress is the McConnell-Wyden bill. You do not see those two names linked to each other every single day, but I told Mitch McConnell that if you could buy hemp in your local Costco store, you ought to be able to grow it in America. And he said, okay, let's do a bill. Kentucky farmers had the same issue. So I don't take a backseat to anybody in terms of promoting hemp. And right now, Nathan, uh, I've introduced another bipartisan bill with Rand Paul, Senator Merkley, and others to uh, have uh, the FDA step up its efforts to work through the various nutritional 
and health claims associated with hemp, which is really important to make it uh, more uh, widespread in, in stores and, uh, and the like, you know, hemp and, and also um, CBD. So apart from that, we have the lithium question. And uh, I have proposed that we look to lithium as one of the domestic minerals we need to get off of foreign production. And so I've introduced a lithium bill. It allows for competitive grants. But the first thing it says in my bill is any grant must comply with all environmental laws. There's not going to be any waivers or changes and the like. You have to comply with the environmental laws. Great. Well, thanks for the question, Maria. Uh, so we have a, a short and sweet question from Linda uh, that just says, Senator, what are you doing to make a better Polk County? Well, I'm being here and we've been talking about everything from forestry to health care, just trying to tick off all of the topics we've just talked about here in the last half an hour, 40 minutes or some, something. We've been talking about pensions, agriculture, infrastructure. Seems to me that makes for secure rural schools funding. Those are some of the priorities for how you give people in this small rural community a chance to be able to kind of carve out the kind of life they want for themselves and their families, just as so many have in Polk County for years to come. Great. Well, thanks for the question, Linda. We have a question from Bonnie. Uh, who asks, Senator, how can we help the volunteer fire departments recruit? Departments are finding it difficult to even find people to drive the ambulances for EMT and water tanks for the wildfire and structure fires. Um, my question, is Bonnie on the line? Bonnie's on Facebook. This I'm reading oh, her question. Ask me. her if, she, if she's talking about local firefighters or if she's talking about volunteers who want to work in conjunction with the Forest Service. But let's put it this way. I think the government has got to have smarter partnerships with volunteers as a general proposition, especially in our part of the world. They're just invaluable. And when you talk about fire, it's very likely that those volunteers are often the people who see the first kind of sign of a problem on the ground, and the government needs to be a better and smarter partner with them. Great. Well, Bonnie, if you are still watching and uh, want to follow up on that question, uh, please uh, reply there in the Facebook comments and I will pass along the update. Uh, we have a question from Steve uh, who says, Senator Wyden, as a former member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, when are you going to call for the removal of Eric Swalwell from his sensitive intelligence uh, committee position? Well, first, first of all, I'm not a member, excuse me, I'm not a former member of the Senate Intelligence Committee. I am a current member and very proud to be one because I think this is exactly the kind of time 
when when we deal with a war uh, where Russia attacked Ukraine in an unprovoked uh, fashion and we're faced with a whole set of challenges with respect uh, to rules for intelligence gathering. I'm very pleased that I can be Oregon's guy on the intelligence uh, committee. I've seen the um, back and forth with respect to uh, charges that uh, Congressman, Congressman from California has compromised America, America's intelligence um, with the Chinese. I've not seen any concrete evidence of it. We don't review um, members of the House of Representatives in the United States Senate from the standpoint of, um, of the intelligence rules, but certainly what I've not seen in print offers concrete evidence that in some way uh, the congressman compromised American security with the Chinese. If the caller wants to send me additional information, Nathan, please give out uh, the email and the contact numbers, and I uh, would be happy to look at it. Great. Well, Steve, if you have additional information, uh, happy to pass that along to Senator Wyden's staff. Uh, we have a question from James, uh, who refers to uh, a ruling by a federal judge in Florida uh, just uh, earlier today. James says uh, there was a federal judge in Florida who just said the mask mandate uh, is lifted on airplanes and Ubers and I believe uh, federal transportation or federally regulated transportation generally. Uh, since the federal judge ordered this, uh, when does this go into effect and is this something you are in support of, Senator? Well, the the uh, decision is not one I've heard, but if it's from a federal court in Florida, uh, I'm sure that there is likely to be an appeal of that decision. And we'll see if the Supreme Court is going to uh, take it. Uh, I don't know what the Supreme Court would do in that case. The Supreme Court has said that they believe that the government has the ability to have mandates when it involves, when it would to uh, have local officials carry out uh, mandates when it involves healthcare workers. I don't know how the Supreme Court would rule uh, with. Uh, the transportation issue that the gentleman uh, talked about. Uh, I'll just give my own, you know, opinion, particularly because there's a debate now uh, on the East Coast of the United States. The uh, the virus rates are going, you know, back up and the like. I will just because it's kind of been my opinion that you try to put the best information you can in front of people. And so let me be specific in one crucial area. It's my hope, and I want to underline my hope, that everybody who can get vaccinated, and I've been fully vaccinated, well, um, thanks for passing along that news, James. Um, and I'm sure uh, as that 
uh, court case and appeal develops, uh, there will be more uh, to discuss. Uh, so we have a question from Jesse, um, who refers to, I think, a specific floor speech uh, by your colleague, Senator Whitehouse. Um, uh, so he says, um, I would love to hear your thoughts on Senator Sheldon Whitehouse and his Senate floor speeches. He is nicely named, quote, the scheme. Uh, Senator, do you believe dark money and dark money funded groups have caused many of the issues you deal with every day when trying to get anything done in D.C.? I think Senator Whitehouse is basically correct. I think that dark money and also the Citizens United case decided by the Supreme Court is a setback for democracy. And let me be very specific. These decisions basically say that the rich person's checkbook is exactly the same thing as the poor person's soapbox. They're both speech and the government is not going to regulate it. I don't think to say that the rich person's checkbook and the poor person's soapbox are exactly the same is a fair analysis because the rich person's checkbook buys a whole lot more speech and content than the poor person's soapbox. And that's why I very much favor changes that will move to ensure a fairer system. I think these campaign rules that we have with respect to money are lousy. I think campaigns are too long. And I think Citizens United distorts the scales in terms of ensuring that there is fair opportunity for all sides to really be heard. Terrific. Uh, we had somebody uh, submit through our form uh, from the uh, Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde uh, a Cheryl Kennedy. Cheryl didn't include a question, but uh, Cheryl, I just emailed you uh, if you wanted to join the Zoom here. would certainly love uh, you to join and, and represent the Confederated, tri Confederated Tribes if you are watching. Um, so in the meantime, let's go to a question from Annalise. Uh, Annalise uh, says, um, Senator, people on Social Security need help with buying food. The prices are crazy and SNAP benefits are not keeping up with the rising prices. Please help us. I, uh, I talked earlier. Hold on, we've got phones going off here in the back. I, uh, I talked earlier about uh, SNAP being made permanent rather than just kept in this temporary category, which would raise the benefit. I also think it's time to look at the social security cost of living again, as it relates to elderly. Now, if you're taking young people and the purchases young people make, I think the cost of living by and large is pretty accurate. But if you're taking the purchases that seniors make, like out-of-pocket medical and food and the like, I'm not convinced that the Social Security cost of living is calculated accurately. And we're going to look at that again on the Finance Committee. All right. Well, it looks like we have gotten through 
all of our submitted questions. If I have missed one, folks, uh, I apologize. Um, so thank you, everyone, for joining us for Republic County Virtual Town Hall. Thanks uh, to Commissioner Jeremy Gordon uh, and Emily uh, for joining us live here on the video. Uh, Senator Wyden, any... Uh, how, many, how, many, how many questions did we get in, Nathan? Uh, we got at least 15 questions in. We got, we got through quite a few on a wide range of topics. Okay. Polk County, here's my closing address. And if somebody says who chairs a committee back there that they give you a closing address, you should head for the kitchen and get a snack or whatever, because they're usually pretty deadly affairs. My closing address to Polk County is thank you, thank you. On a uh, rainy, late winter, early spring day, uh, I so appreciate everybody coming out to educate me. Uh, not a bad question in the house, Polk County. All 15. If this was a basketball game, they'd say you were 15 for 15 from the line. That's pretty good shooting percentage, everybody. So really appreciate this. Emily, I see on the um, screen, I hope that by the next time we have a meeting like this, those people with the Coast Guard are going to get a fair shake. Jeremy, I see you on the screen raising the case for county funding. I think you heard me talk about rural schools, rural roads, rural law enforcement, a better and fairer system. So big thanks to everybody. Nathan, big thanks to People's Town Hall and uh, Polk County. This is going into the To Be Continued Department. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Senator. See you all next time. Take care.